Grab some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt. Sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Now, here's Jeff Hunt. Howdy, howdy, howdy. We are back in Denver. Last week we were out in San Diego at the Salem Media Studios. Had a chance to interview the mayor of Coronado Island with the U.S. Navy SEALs train. Go back to FrontierFreedomRadio.com and listen to that. Fascinating discussion. They're facing issues there. They're right across the border from Tijuana. And Tijuana just kind of, their water treatment, they just push it out into the ocean, and then it just floats all the way up to San Diego. So they're closing beaches, uh, dealing with those environmental problems. So fascinating discussion. Go back to FrontierFreedomRadio.com, and, uh, and you can listen to the podcast. I'm really excited about this week's show. My name is Jeff Hunt. I'm the chief wagon boss here in studio with Jamie Erker. Jamie, what's your cowboy name? We, we haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, we haven't yet. come up with one yet. Hmm. Quick draw. I have to think about that. Quick, Quick draw. draw. <laughs> uh, Michael Arpaio is driving the board for us. Thank you, Michael. Always grateful for your good work. If this is your first time listening, welcome. This show is hosted by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University, a university on a mission to train up young Christians uh, in a variety of different fields with strong conservative values. It is a strategic priority of Colorado Christian University, written down on the website, you can go see it, to impact our culture and support of the sanctity of life, traditional family values, compassion for the poor, biblical view of human nature, limited government, personal freedom, free markets, natural law, original intent of the Constitution, and Western civilization. So go check out what CCU is doing, ccu.edu. Really excited about today's show, because this is something I'm very passionate on. I was just talking with the host, I've done three public debates on what marijuana has done to our society and broader than just marijuana, what this drug culture is doing. Because you can't just look at it by kind of by drug by drug. Uh, if we try to do that, you get what's happening in Colorado right now where you have elected officials that have one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake, and they can't figure it out. I mean, we have serious problems in this state. Uh, record fentanyl drug overdoses. And what was promised, if you've been around long enough, 2012, what was promised was that if we just legalize marijuana, people are going to use this and we're not going to have to deal with all these hard drugs. It's going to go away. That was actually part of the promises. And I've dealt with this marijuana kind of bizarre fascination. These people that think marijuana cures Alzheimer's, cures cancer, cures all these wonderful, does all these wonderful things. And none of these promises come true because there's a bigger issue at stake. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So this is the Frontier Freedom Hour. We cover issues facing the Western United States from a Christian, conservative, biblical perspective. And we like to start with a little cowboy wisdom. Jamie, are you ready for this week's cowboy wisdom? Oh, I'm so ready. We're trying to educate and share wisdom. And cowboys, I think, have the best wisdom out there. Be thankful we're not getting all the government we're paying for. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point, especially with everything else going on right now. <laughs> that is a little cowboy wisdom. Be thankful we're not getting all the government we're paying for. So let's dive into the show. On the show today, is he's a fellow with the Centennial Institute, but he's doing a lot more than that. Luke Niforatos. That, that sounds Spanish when I pronounce it. He's actually no, that sounded Greek. pretty legit. I, I'll take that. <laughs> a little roll of my R's. But Luke's the executive vice president of Smart Approaches to Marijuana. And the reason I like Luke is because we're on the same page with regards to the 
broader drug culture that's happening in, in the United States. So uh, not just Colorado, look at what's happening in California. And then Oregon just decided, well, we're not going to put anyone in jail for any type of drugs. And it's not working out at well at all. Uh, it's been a total disaster there. And so you had this kind of well, the war on drugs failed, which I don't agree with. Uh, I think we need to treat it like a war, especially if you're a distributor. Uh, what they're doing in Mexico to bring fentanyl up into the United States, produced by China. Uh, we're at a war because they're specifically trying to kill Americans. Uh, and this idea we're just going to move into harm reduction. Well, it's just harm reduction. We just need to help people inject their drugs better uh, is not right. And, and that's why we have Luke to help us out. So Luke, give us uh, your background, give us your bio, and what is smart approaches to marijuana? Yep, absolutely, Jeff. Thank you for having me on. I'm just, uh, it's a pleasure uh, knowing you over the last five years has just been uh, a real blessing. And I appreciate the work you're doing with Centennial Institute and honored to be a part of it. Um, so for my part, I'm the executive vice president at SAM, Smart Approaches to Marijuana. We're the nation's leading nonprofit, nonpartisan organization working on the marijuana issue. Um, you You'll hear a lot about our work against legalization, uh, but we're also doing work here in states like Colorado and other states that have legalized it um, to try to restrict this industry and better regulate this industry if it's going to be legal in the state. Um, so we're really the only ones that are taking on this big marijuana industry right now, um, and we're pretty proud of it, honestly. Um, and so my background, you know, I was raised here in Colorado, went to Overland High School, went to DU, uh, did my postgrad at Johns Hopkins. Um, and so from my perspective, I really see this from a health perspective. I've got two little girls, a five-year-old and a one-year-old. Uh, lovely wife uh, who's a Denver native and um, you know from our perspective we were literally going on a walk we used to live in uh, what used to be called Stapleton now it's Central Park uh, and uh, we were walking down the sidewalk um, this is when my daughter was about 10 months old and we're walking down she's in her stroller she's asleep and somebody lights up a joint and her stroller just gets engulfed by a cloud of marijuana smoke and so she's breathing this in as she's sleeping and we're both kind of thinking to ourselves you know there's nothing we can do about this this is just kind of happening and as parents we can't protect our daughter from this and my wife said, you know, that happens just about every time we take her for a walk here in the city of Denver. And uh, and I said, you're absolutely right. Became a passion project from there because I wanted to protect families and kids um, from being impacted uh, by these sorts of uh, effects of uh, marijuana legalization. So really, the rest is history. I moved out to D.C. for a couple of years, building out our organization and live back here and travel all over the place now. Why are you so interested in this? Come on, man. It's just people token up, right? Your daughter took a whiff of it. It probably didn't do that much harm. And we're putting people in prison for having a joint in their pocket. Luke, why are you in the business of trying to stop somebody from having a good time, man? It's a great question, Jeff. I get asked that all the time. You know, isn't this just an individual liberty issue? Shouldn't somebody be able to do uh, smoke a joint in their own house if they want to? And if that's really what this was about, you know, probably we would say fine. But that's really not what this is about. Um, what this has always been about is making money, a commercial industry building around this drug. Um, and what we know about the free market, Jeff, and capitalism is that they uh, create the best forms of products that you can most efficiently and easily consume because the free market is the best model for business, right? And uh, that works out really great when it comes to iPhones and computers, when it comes to healthcare services and new medications. It is a disaster when it comes to addictive drugs. And so what this industry has done is everything that we feared it would do, which is it has taken marijuana, what was a joint, one to 3% potency, Woodstock days, hippies and banjos. I wasn't around for any of that. 
Jeff, for the record, you weren't around for any of that either. Uh, but we hear that was pretty crazy. Um, and so, you know, that is gone now. The industry has taken this drug. It is now 99% potent. We're seeing dabs, waxes, candies. Um, we've seen use skyrocket. We've seen addiction skyrocket. Um, all kinds of uh, ill effects from this industry. And of course, they're uh, pitching it to our kids uh, with Sesame Street characters right here in Colorado selling pot cookies, um, all sorts of things like that. And so that's why I'm passionate about it because I, I don't want to see uh, the next generation ruined by another addiction uh, addictive drug i don't want to see this industry run rampant over our families and kids um, and so that's why i do what i do so if you look at american history we can learn a lot from it and lung cancer right now is one of the top killers uh, in america it wasn't always this way and it wasn't necessarily the use of tobacco that led to it so if you go back and look at kind of early 1900s and they're trying to track cancer rates and stuff. Lung cancer wasn't really much different than any other cancer, right? It changed in the 1940s and 50s and then just skyrocketed 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now we're dealing with a massive epidemic of lung cancer in this country. Number one of the top killers, not number one. I think heart disease is number That's one. That's up there though, yeah. But, um, uh, but it's up there near the top. And so what led to that? Uh, and I've done three public debates on marijuana, as I mentioned. And this is stuff that we've looked at. We look at at the centennial. We held a whole symposium on it. We've done research projects on marijuana. So we're well-versed in this. So we went back and looked at it. Well, it was the rise of commercialized tobacco, right? So back in the 1800s, early 1900s, you wanted to smoke tobacco. Well, you had to grow your tobacco, dry your tobacco, or pick your tobacco, dry your tobacco, and then roll it into a little cigarette and smoke it. And so it took some work. Then you had the, the commercialization of it. And if you remember that 60 Minutes show, and there was a Russell Crowe movie about this, where the guy, his great line, he says, it wasn't about tobacco. It was a nicotine delivery system. That's right. Right? So uh, it, they figured out a way to increase the amount of nicotine. And because it was based in free market without much restrictions on it, it was able to just run rampant and get as many users. These companies could get as many users as they wanted. And we're living with that right now in marijuana again. That's right. I mean, these, these, in fact, a lot of these tobacco companies are getting engaged, right? Yeah. Well, the incentive for a company is, you know, a lot of people think of this like it's a nonprofit model. It's not nonprofit. A company, a for-profit company legally required to deliver a return to its shareholders, that is their number one goal. That is their only responsibility as a for-profit company. So. It is their job and their incentive to sell as many of their products as they possibly can. Again, great with a phone, great with, uh, you know, uh, things that are helpful to society and productivity, horrible with a drug because the incentive, plain and simple, is to make it addictive because you need that customer to use your product as many times as possible. So you're going to do what you need to do to make it easy to access. You're going to do what you need to do to make it ubiquitous in society where you're advertising it. Everyone thinks of your product when they're looking for that. Um, and you're going to do what you need to do to make sure they come back and get more of it. Um, and, you know, it, you could argue we see that with the sugar industry, for example, um, you know, because you've we've heard about the, the addictive potential of sugar products, for example. So we see this playing out in society. The issue is when it's a drug like marijuana, that's something that influences your brain. That's something that influences your IQ. That's something that influences your physical health, your well-being, your driving, your ability to be productive at work. Um, all these things are impacted and so much more when it relates to drugs and particularly marijuana. And that's why it's very concerning to run that through that model. We're talking with Luke Niferados of the Smart Approaches to Marijuana. He's also a fellow with the Centennial Institute. We're going to continue to talk about 
the, the serious drug problems that Colorado's facing. So stick around. You're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. We'll be right back. <laughs> 